You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, you beautiful people. Thank you for listening to this podcast, for downloading it, spending time with people involved in independent music from all shapes and sizes, walks of life. But we all care about this whole DIY music scene. It's a great thing, and I appreciate that you listening, because there are so many other things you could be doing, including listening to their podcasts, but you continually show up week after week and do it. And I know it just sounds like cliches, like, oh, I'm thanking the audience. But like, this is genuinely from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. And I know I've said it a lot recently, but uh, I just feel a lot of gratitude. So that is what I want to express to you. I also get to introduce this awesome guest that I had on the show. His name is Curtis Running Rabbit Left Hand. He is the organizer of a music festival called the Wild Rose Hardcore Festival in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And he also is the, uh, I think his new title is like president or <laughs> he, he mentions it in the interview, but uh, he's the uh, head honcho, I'll call it, at the Indigenous Resilience in Music, which is basically focused on getting people in the Indigenous communities uh, involved in music, whether it's like working record labels or understanding how to work in the music business and be involved. And uh, Curtis is a great dude. He does a ton of work with the community that he exists in, being a or exists in being a Blackfoot Indian, um, and works with a ton of indigenous communities, not only in his area, but then also reaches out to many others. And again, is just trying to get people involved in the indigenous community in independent music. He's a hardcore kid. He uh, he just emailed me out of the blue and was like, you know, I really appreciate the show and what what you have going on. Um, you know, I'd love to not not just like he didn't offer himself up to be a guest, but we traded a few emails back and forth, and I was like, for me personally. I just really did not consider um, the, you know, I guess outreach from a independent music perspective to this community, you know, Indian reservations, um, you know, Native Americans, and that whole side of, you know, our culture, industry, whatever you want to call it. And Curtis is doing some great work there. So I dug in with him because there are certain things that I just did not know about uh, those particular communities. And I wanted to know more. So there's it's a, it's a learning process. This is a little bit of a different conversation. So I'm really proud to have it. So let's talk to Curtis, okay? Let's do that. And I will talk to you at the end of the episode to tell you what's happening for next week. Typically, I start these things off with like my own personal entry point to you, you and everything like that. But I, I think it's appropriate to set you up to where you know we, we can, uh, you know, introduce you and all the myriad of things that you are involved in. But most importantly, um, you know, make sure that we're we're hitting uh, the you know appropriate description of you. So, uh, Curtis, I will yeah. uh, you know let you take over from here, my friend. <laughs> For sure. Uh, hello, Okinixikoeskisisimatsumofpoa. Uh, Hello, my name is Curtis Running Rabbit Left Hand. My Indian name is uh, Running Rabbit. I come from the Sixka people in Treaty 7, uh, Southern Alberta in Canada. And I am, I, specifically, I come from the Sixka Nation and, uh, and the Amskapipikani Nation. It was actually... Uh, um, 
I'm sorry, Bitcoin is actually located in um, Browning, Montana, uh, in that area. Um, but for us, before contact, you know, the Blackfoot Confederacy, we didn't have that border there. So um, I'm Bitcoin and Bitcoin Nation are, are all together with the rest of the Blackfoot Confederacy, including uh, Suksuka, uh, Northern Bitcoin, um, or Abahtusi Bitcoin, and uh, Gaina. And, uh, yeah, and so um, I am currently living in Mokinsis, uh, also known, well, also known as Calgary, Alberta, uh, now today. Um, but traditionally, it is known as our ancestral territory as being Mokinsis uh, or the Elbow River. Uh, and, yeah, so I am the uh, executive artistic director of Indigenous Resilience and in Music. Um, well, actually, uh, just a little update on that is I actually moved from being that position in a staff member to now I'm actually a board member with the organization. I work in, um, now I do work in uh, executive, um, a lot of executive work as, uh, as a music uh, producer, uh, an artist manager, and all of that stuff within festival curation with the Wild Rose Hardcore Festival, um, helping with the Indigenous Resilience and Music Society of Alberta, um, and doing a lot of work in community with youth in Siksika Nation and the different nations, uh, the different Blackfoot nations in Treaty 7, and just working as a music executive and helping where I can in changing the, the narrative around uh, Indigenous representation from a Blackfoot worldview, um, from a Siksika Gay worldview, um, into uh, how Indigenous representation is, is um is required and how it is um how it, how it happens in the music industry today through all the work i do so and a lot of that is with wild rose hardcore festival and a lot of it is with uh, the many things i do as uh, as uh, just a music person and a blackfoot person yeah it's so you're just not doing very much curtis <laughs> yeah 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 i also it, work yeah yeah go ahead. It, 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 no i was gonna say in in short yeah there there isn't much that you're involved in so that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot of work and the thing is is that indigenous people are, are are constantly um working in different realms uh so i also i'm also a student at the university of calgary um and just uh yeah i'm just doing my mpp there um and you know going through that is just like indigenous people are constantly like they're multifaceted and having to work in different realms uh, all the time and and doing all that work is you know for again for the sake of representation or or sharing you know for me it's sharing the blackfoot narrative the blackfoot worldview in those realms and in those circles so that you know i can help improve that um and being part of those discussions yeah i was aware of the wild rose hardcore festival like i just always you know, when you see flyers go around the internet or whatever, and people are doing certain things in parts of the country that, uh, you know, might be overlooked, where it's like, you know, mm. Calgary and Winnipeg and basically the whole central part of Canada, like there isn't a ton of stuff going on there. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need to tell you that, obviously, but yeah. I, I just saw that and I was like, that's really cool because clearly it takes a lot of effort to obviously get bands there and convince bands, you know, not only yep. just from a financial perspective, but just be like, Hey, like, you know, I'll get you out here and then there will be kids here. Like this, this is a cool thing. And so, um, you know, I, I'm guessing as you were, you know, kind of like building that general idea, which I know ties into a lot of different things that we're going to be discussing. But um, when you started to kind of like build that, did you receive a lot of bands being like, huh, like, I, I guess we'll go play up here. Like, what was the, you know, what was the vibe as you started to reach out? <laughs> um, well, we would, like, just as a, as a group. So um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll 
go through that in the introduction, but I'm, I'm one managed festival manager of four. Um, uh-huh. and, and we, you know, we work collectively, um, as just like a, I guess an organization, but then as a festival. Um, so we all like work collectively and we, we do our best, like, you know, like book bands, uh, like as a collective and, and, and kind of doing it that way. And, but the one thing is, is that, yeah, convincing bigger bands, bigger, bigger acts to like come to Calgary or Mokinsis, uh, uh, to Calgary, Alberta, um, it's really hard to like get them to like, yeah, the, you know, the offer has to look nice. Um, all of that, all those, like, you know, all of that stuff, they have to be comfortable with like what they're, what they're getting into and coming up here to perform. But talking to agents, talking to managers, talking to the bands directly, it definitely takes some convincing and, you know, consulting among like the internal agencies that come with that, uh, like whoever's involved with the band, um, like again, their management, their agencies, like how that all like plays into the, the details of how the band is going to be booked and get here. It takes a lot of convincing because, like you know, Calgary in its like itself has it has a long-standing hardcore scene here, um, and there's like you know there's so many people involved in the hardcore scene here that have been doing it far longer than me, and have even been promoting far longer than me. So like for us, like there's a lot of kids here that are are growing up in a really good scene and growing up in, in, in experiencing hardcore in a really good way that we just want these bands to like come and like add to that experience as much as we can. And so for us, like, you know, booking those artists, booking those bands, we, we, we do our best and we just like, we work our asses off to convince them. Like we'll do anything we can you know, to make sure that their experience here is like, we, what we do is the convincing part is that we want to, and we do follow through with that is that we want to make sure these bigger artists are coming here, have an experience playing a festival where they've never had that experience anywhere else. So then for us, it it looks good on us as a festival and as an organization that, you know, like when it comes to booking other artists or with other agencies and other managers, as it is with other festivals too, but with booking other artists, like, they can go to their friends or go to other managers or other agencies and be like, Whoa, like, Hey, they're asking to book this artist. Like, do you, do you want, like, what do you think? They, I know your bands have played there before and, and hopefully like, you know, like, like the experience or that we've had and, and what the feedback we've had is that, yeah, like, you know, Calgary, even though like we don't hear a lot of bands playing there, they, we treat them really well. So they're treated really well by us as like folks, you know, people that are, are booking them. And so, again like it does take a lot of work and we're always just like we're working our working our asses off trying to like convince them and and make sure that you know they they do feel a sense of um like a good sense of of uh very well very good hospital uh like hospitality and being here and then that you know that this is a place where they can come and perform again later on and and have a good experience here that they want to come back and and then they can share that with their friends and other bands and other other managers or people in the industry and yeah and then just like have have a good time so yeah it does take a lot of convincing but we always follow through with what we convince them in doing and coming to perform here yeah (laughs) Yeah. and it's the idea of like you're saying you're you're trying to give you know not only a unique experience but you know a good experience where it's like hey you know a lot of people are putting effort into this and, you know, trying to build something in regards to, you know, a scene and, uh, 
you know, like making sure that this long legacy that you speak about will continue on. And now it's, mm-hmm. you know, the fresh new batch of kids that are putting on shows. Um, and, uh, you know, that hopefully the cycle will continue to go because obviously as you get older, the younger kids then see where it's like, oh yeah, Curtis is doing something. Like maybe I can do something a little bit like that. It's the only way that it <laughs> yeah. stays alive, you know? And to that, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into that more too, I'm sure, or I'll be able to jump into that more sure later on. But, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, like different reservations and, and First Nations communities in this area um, where we are, like because Mokinsis um, or Calgary or the Albo River, um, where we're situated and where the city is situated on, the river is like directly on uh, the Blackfoot Confederacy, and and so the different um, First Nations communities in the area, there's a lot of kids that come from there that are you know, Blackfoot or the other nations, like there's a lot, there's three Blackfoot nations in, in, in this area of Canada. And then there's a uh, Sutena nation uh, and then Stony Nakoda nation. And then there's other in the city, in the urban community, there's other uh, different uh, indigenous folks that are, that are situated here. Um, but for us, uh, for me, I hear a lot of stories sometimes of like different uh, Blackfoot kids coming and coming to shows and they're into hardcore and they're like, you know, they're coming from the reservation and, and they hear about like what I'm doing and they're like, they want to do that. I'm like, well, you can't cause I, I come from the same reservation you come from, or I come from the same community you come from. And, and I think like, that's like, that's my goal with it all. And that's what I kind of, I've also mentioned in the email that when we were kind of talking back and forth, like, that's what I hope is that, the kids here, like, you know, they'll like non-Indigenous kids here, they'll be fine. Non-Indigenous kids in the hardcore scene, but Indigenous kids or Blackfoot kids from my community, I want them to like, you know, kind of take up that, that mantle um, after me or take up that, that work after myself to, to go in and, and start working and being part of the scene and, and, and make a positive impact in that way. You know? Band merch. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about first the place that you need to go. You need to go to rockabilia.com. You can use this code 100 words that gets you 10% off of your order. You need to go there immediately because you will fall in love, not only with the amount of merch that is thrown at you in the most positive way, but uh, the fact it's a independently owned business they all are officially licensed pieces of merch. None of this horrific bootleg stuff that you, you know, maybe order off Amazon or buy blind off eBay. None of that. Don't do any of that. Rockabilia gets it out to you quickly, efficiently, friendly in case you have any issues. Their customer service is top shelf. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, really believe in what Rockabilia does. They support bands, they support artists, and uh, that's the best way to, uh, you know, give directly to the artist is, you know, buying merch. That's, you know, that's what, that's what bands do. Bands tour, they sell merch, they, they make a living. So how about you do that while they are off the road? Because clearly that is the case right now. So go to rockabilia.com, use the promo code 100 words, 10% off your order. You will benefit the bands benefit this particular podcast benefits every, everybody wins. Okay. So rockabilia.com, 100 words, promo code, enjoy it is interesting when uh, you know people start to be exposed in, in the context of, of punk and hardcore and independent music and start to grapple with you know their identity in the world you know regardless of of their upbringing or social structure or you know ethnicity and then how that relates to others um you know not only from a cultural experience but then you know how it's viewed through the context again of punk and hardcore and so i think that was 
that was something, you know, I, I really, like I said, recognized, you know, whatever in my early teens with the, you know, those bands that were obviously politically charged and talking about things that, you know, like no 12 or 13 year old really has any comprehension of, where it's just like, what are nation states? Like, what, what, what is all this? Like, I don't know what yeah. this is. Yeah. Um, but then being able to understand, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, you can be obviously be an ally and help and be able to, you know, give uh, voice to things that, uh, you know, need a voice in ways that, uh, you know, other, other people don't necessarily think about, you know, off the top of their head. And I imagine that with you creating, um, you know, the IRIM, that is, I imagine that's basically the biggest, uh, focal point of what you are doing is, you know, trying to, like you said, I guess, kind of, you know, pave the way for others and understand that, you know, they deserve to take up space just as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so a lot of like, even the, like the work through, well, IRIM so far, um, we, you know, we have many, like multiple programs within our music programming. Um, and it's actually expanding. Uh, we're like, we have like a set base of pro programming in Treaty 7 or in the Blackfoot Confederacy here in Calgary. Um, and so like through us is that our whole work and our mandate has always been to um, to just like focus on 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 how we can uplift youth uh, and, and, and just essentially work with them in, in understanding themselves. Um, so like, again, I guess what I should say here too, is I, as I, I didn't mention that, um, outside of the Blackfoot Confederacy and, and, and the four nations that exist here now that are Blackfoot, we also, and I mentioned that earlier, we have the Subtina and the Stony Nakoda and those nations, um, you know, they have a lot of indigenous youth too, that are also, uh, are in Calgary and, and, and are, are musicians and, and do a lot of work here and, what we want to do with that is just like, yeah, get, get the next generation prepared. Um, you know, like even as I am, I am hoping, you know, like, um, as time goes on that we are, we're going to exist, uh, in the city and throughout Canada and even in the U S for, for quite some time. And throughout that, like our mandate has always been to work with the different indigenous youth here in the urban setting in the rural communities uh, in Suxica, Gaina, Pikani, uh, Sutina, and Stony Nakoda, um, to like have them have that sense of community and then, and learning about themselves and, and how that, how that part of themselves as indigenous youth um, can be something they're proud about, but then how it can also be reflected on in their journey um, as they move through music, as they move through how they create their own music, as I mentioned before, and how they built that. And so then they can teach that to their kids and their their youth that they work with in the future or the next generation coming up, um, that they can show that with them that, you know, there is there is the we are allowed to be proud of who we are, no matter what has what we've gone through, um, through the like, you know, the nation state in Canada and in the U.S., we we deserve and have the right to be proud of who we are as people and that that long history that rich history that we have there um as much as we have heard the different stories and um or just we have heard like awful things from the canadian governments and the u.s governments of how you know what they think of us and as a people like you know the straightforward being savages all that stuff that that isn't true that their history is rich and who they are as as a people um, is something they should be proud of and that, you know, that we're 
going through the process of like, you know, we were really rich in how we presented ourselves and the way we, we talked with other nations. You know, we had, we were wealthy people and we still are wealthy people. Um, but it's just locating that, that wealth and that richness and, and remembering who you are will bring, continue to bring back that, that, that level of wealth and, and continue to increase that wealth as you become more proud of your culture. Right? And then passing that wealth on to the next generation is what we really want so that when these, when those kids coming up and those, and those next generations coming up, they hear about, um, you know, they want to pursue a, a career in music. Well, they were always taught about being proud of who they are and their culture or even learning their language, knowing how to speak the language fluently. Um, and then that reflecting and, and all the things they do moving forward and that they can be okay with that and being proud about that. But then also on the other side of that is that in their music that they share and create. And, and this is something I even do in my own um, like artist management too, is that um, if I'm working with an indigenous artist, um, whether they're a youth or not, one of the things I always talk about is that, you know, it's important to know everything about who you are, but at the same time, that doesn't always have to be talked about in your music, but as long as you know, and you're comfortable with who you are, you're comfortable with what your spirit is feeling and what you, you have learned about your culture. That's all that matters. And that, that is just, that's just a part of you. It's a part of your identity. Um, and that's something I think is really important too, because we do come across youth that are like, you know, they're not wanting to play traditional music. They're not wanting to play um, a specific style of music um, or they're not wanting to be forced to play a specific style of music because of what's, you know, trending for Indigenous musicians and, and that, I guess, that genre that exists. Um, I don't believe that it exists, but, they're, you know, they're not forced to, like, have a certain, um, a certain, they're forced into a mandate that doesn't reflect them. And that's the other thing that I think is really important as we teach youth too, is that you can know who you are. Um, you can, uh, you can experience music and, and, and show, share who you are through your music. Um, and, but it doesn't have to be like power music. It doesn't have to be you talking about your trauma 24 seven in music. Um, it can just be you talking about, day-to-day -day things as being who you are as a Blackfoot person, a Sutina person, or a Stony Nakoda person. And I think that's really important too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sorry, sorry. No, I, I talked, I, read, I went on and on. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, and honestly like that, I, I think it's the way that you're laying it out. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to obviously hit so many points and describe what it is you're doing. And, um, you know, it's difficult to put it in, you know, five sentences <laughs> just because it's like yeah. you're, you're you're trying to plant the seeds for the future but then also change perceptions of the way this is right now not only within the community and it's like it's yeah. like you're doing um you know two pieces of work you're all you're, you're obviously you know talking about a subculture that most people look at you know in regards to punk and hardcore just like curtis why are you into this yelling stuff like what yeah. the hell is this dude oh, yeah. and then on top of that you're being like hey everybody i you know like come on and join me <laughs> And then, so it's like, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I totally get that. Um, and and I, I'm going to presume that once you started to kind of like bring this, this subculture home to your parents and, you know, I know that you kind of uh, grew up playing drums and stuff like that, which also in and of itself is a really difficult thing for parents to understand. Cause they're like, cool, my kid's going to be the loudest on the block or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. How were they? So how are they reacting as you started to kind of, 
you know, bring this stuff home and be like, this is not even part of like a normal culture, let alone, you know, part of the culture that you, you know, are, are raised in as far as the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the community that you, you are a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was okay. So, uh, it was really interesting. Cause like, I, I guess I should have, I should have backed up there a little bit on, on my story growing up is that, uh, I also like where I grew up, um, I grew up on the Eden Valley reservation, which is Stony Nakoda reservation. And I should have mentioned that too, that I'm also half Stony Nakoda, which I totally forgot, but I grew up Blackfoot. Like the way I grew up was only knowing Blackfoot in that, that culture. Um, so when, um, growing up on the Eden Valley reservation, you know, I would be spending time at Sixka Nation. I, like, essentially I lived in two places. I would go to the mm-hmm. Sixka um, six car reservation where my mom is from and where I'm from. And then I will go to the Eden Valley reservation where my dad is from. And for a moment, for a moment there, you know, I technically was from as well. Um, and so I would be there and I would bring music with like the music I would listen to. I would go back there. Um, and like the people in that community were like, you know, I didn't really hang out with them. Um, I didn't really talk with them. I didn't really have a relationship with a lot of people there, but in six of my cousins and, um, and different family uh, family members I had there, and other community members that I that I met there um, growing up was like you know they were also into heavier music, which is really funny. So in Sixaga, um, and I think it's only in Sixaga Nation. I, I'm not sure if like you know there's there are some people that uh, are there are even cousins of mine that live in uh, Gaina First Nation and Bikani that I've met that you know they do. They do like the the hard, they do like hardcore music and they like hardcore punk. But so growing up though on on that on the reservation in Sixaga, there was there was a lot of times where I would bring that music and then I would have cousins already listening to it. And so I would go there and they'd be like, "Oh, like you just got into that band?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I didn't know you were already <laughs> listening to this band." But then but then there was other stuff like. So I like the, the first type of heavy music I started getting into was like Slipknot, Demon Borgir, Cradle of Filth, um, like all these like weird bands from that time. And um, well, actually, way back I was listening to like uh, um, I was listening to like Bon Jovi and and stuff like that that my dad listened to. So I was listening to like Bon Jovi, um, Blue Rodeo, which is like um, I guess kind of native to Calgary and Canada. Yeah, um, they put out a record on Roadrunner, right? Didn't they? Or I think so. I, and that's yeah. the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I would, I would hear, I would hear these different, uh, these different bands growing up that my dad listened to, and then that kind of transitioned as he like, like um, influenced me and, and shared more music with me. I kind of just led into like from listening to those bands to, or like listening, it is really funny listening to Bob Seger and some country music and stuff like that to um, transitioning to that from being influenced from my, by my siblings and getting into gangster rap and listening to a lot of gangster rap. And then moving from that, my dad influencing me, getting me into bands like, uh, like joy division and, and, and like bands from way back like that. And then that's slowly, it's really interesting, but that slowly led me into like, Somehow down the line, I just found uh, um, music from Converge, uh, music from Slipknot, Dumer Borgir, Cradle of Filth. And then I was just like, I was hooked at that point. I like, I loved heavy music. I didn't know what, I didn't know what I was really getting into at a young age. And I was just like, okay, this is the music. This is like what I, this is what I really like. And I want to learn how to play that on drums. Cause at that time I was only playing like, 
you know, I was playing like, yeah, blue rodeos. <laughs> I was playing all this, like, like, like it was really funny, but even the Eagles, I would just be like playing, like jamming that stuff out. And then I was like, okay, I want to play heavier music. I want to play um, like bands in Canada, like Alexis on fire. Um, I want to try to attempt to play converged stuff, which is like impossible at a kid <laughs> that age. Um, and and I was just I would just like be in, be into that heavier stuff. And then when I bring it back home with me, I'd be listening to like Iowa by Slipknot. And then my cousin would be like, "Oh yeah, I bought that like a year ago." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, well I just got into it now." And then wow. Um, and then I was just like, "Okay," but then when I started getting fully invested into hardcore punk. That's where I had realized that not a lot of people on my reservation were they were listening to heavy music. They just weren't listening to hardcore punk as much right. as I, I had thought. So then I started finding out, uh, like through listening to more Converge, um, like finding out a lot about bands like later on, like um, like uh, like Have Hearts, um, like just like like you know melodic hardcore bands like that um and then like yeah and then and then slowly like so yeah it was it was just interesting because the transition from that was like there were people already listening to to heavier music on my reservation but um when i got into hardcore punk that's when i realized like, oh yeah a lot of, not a lot of people were listening to this stuff like terror from like way back in the day Madball from way back in the day um which i was like starting to get into and listening to um and so a lot of people weren't even like jumping into that stuff and and yeah and i just like i had no idea that that yeah like that people weren't getting into any of that stuff so it just like yeah i just kind of like brought that into into perspective that wow i'm like the first kid well i'm not not the i won't say the first kid but i'm like i might be at that time i was like i might be the only uh blackfoot kid in six of guy listening to hardcore punk um and i thought that was really cool and then like you know that list that kind of went into like listening to like um i guess like from that time listening to disembodied like all these like heavier like metalcore bands from that time and and you just kept you just kept going down the rabbit hole right yeah 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 exactly yeah and that and that's like and 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 then along the way um i started realizing that more people started getting into hardcore punk more people from my reservation were starting to get into hardcore punk. And then that's when I realized like, wow, there's a lot of like kids from like the Blackfoot community that are into heavy music, but also like only specifically into hardcore punk. And then they started coming out to shows that I would be promoting way back. Um, And I was just like, okay, this is like, this is something really cool. Like, like, you know, there's a Blackfoot presence in hardcore punk in Calgary. And I was like, that is something powerful. Um, so like the reception of it, when I bring it back home when I was younger, was like, it just kind of grew and, you know, like heavy music was there. Hardcore punk was slowly, I wouldn't say it was introduced through me or anything like that, but it was slowly introduced to the community. And then the community just got hooked on it. And I, I, I really appreciate you painting that picture. Cause I do think that that it's, it's the idea. And I'm sure I can guarantee that you've experienced this where, you know, like once you start to go out on tour and start to play shows, like, you know, regardless of the size, you notice that, you know, when they're, you're playing a city that maybe doesn't have a lot of stuff going on on a Friday night or whatever, all the kids come out regardless. Like, you know, it could be a kid that has no connection whatsoever, but their friends are like, Oh yeah, this band's playing. And so you come out. And so you know, I, I'm going to imagine that a lot of your, uh, you know, the kids that you were surrounded with started to see what you were getting into. And like you said, you know, just putting on shows and like a lot of it was probably just something to do, but then they saw 
there's all this other stuff going on that makes it even more appealing to where people do become attracted to it and are like, oh yeah, like, yeah, I can follow along with this. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> so when I started going to shows, um, that would have been back in 2000, 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had like whole shows back then. Um, my homie skinny was, uh, like putting on a lot of these shows with a huge crew of people. Um, and I don't know if you know skinny, but, um, he's a promoter here in Calgary and he's been doing it like in hardcore for way longer than me and has been doing mm-hmm. it for a long time. Um, but, uh, anyways, so I homie was, was a promoter here and he was, uh, I didn't know him at the time at all, but, um, uh, he was a promoter here and then around 2009 is when I started going to shows. Um, and I, at that time I never saw any other like indigenous kids going to shows mm-hmm. and i would and we'll only be at random bigger hardcore shows like here we had a, a um a little like random day festival of hardcore bands called uh, uh 10 for 10 um i think that was actually a, when i would cross north america um yeah the 10 for 10 tour right it was like ten dollars yeah, yeah. yeah it was like ghost inside terror yeah 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 yeah, Poison the Well and bands like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and so I remember going to shows like that, and then I would just see like a random like uh, like Indian, a random Native kid, just like pop out of nowhere, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" I'd be like, "Who are you? I have never seen you come to shows before." And then I'm like, "What? What's going on?" And then I would see another one pop out, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" Or like these guys are coming, like these people are coming to see like these bands that I like that I love, and and I never saw them at shows before. So at, at that time, I feel like you know, I would see them randomly more often after, and maybe I just wasn't looking, but I would, would it, it would be rare that I would see another like brown kid or another Indian kid um, that is from this area, a native kid from this area at local shows. And so I was like, okay, well, this is like, this is something like really, really interesting. And I, and, and I didn't pay no mind to it a lot until later on as I grew in hardcore and grew up in the community. Then I was like, I started like, started clicking. I was like, no, there needs to be a space for, for Blackfoot kids, for Sutina kids, for Stony Nakota kids in the hardcore scene, because I want them to be able to experience what it's like to, to grow up in this scene um, and to be part of this scene, because there is some positives to it as much as in past times there have been negatives to it for sure. Um, and, um, but there are a lot of positives to it. And so I want them to experience that. And, um, and yeah. And so that's where it kind of, yeah. Yeah. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. Cause I, I think it's, you know, it's important for other, you know, especially, uh, communities be, that, you know, the, the, that the, your indigenous culture, you know, r- remains obviously rooted to, you know, history and, um, you know, the sense of community in ways that many other communities are, you know, so fractured. So there isn't this like centralized uh, focal point on, okay, these, this is the way that our kids need to be raised. And, you know, this is the, you know, <laughs> learning language, like a lot of that is fractured, especially across North America. So for you to be able to kind of plant the flag to say, Hey, I know this seems left of center, but, um, you know, I've done it, you know, like going yeah. to these shows and like you're, 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 you're kind of giving, um, uh, you know, permission, even though kids don't need permission, for, you know, like you, you didn't get permission when you started to attend shows, you know, it's like, you just did it because you were interested in it, but yeah. to be able to give the community the sense that like, okay, this is, you know, worthwhile being involved in. 
And, uh, you know, there is some semblance of a future, whatever that may mean for a person. Um, and so I, I think it's important that you did that because otherwise, you know, it's just this, uh, you know, all, all these kids getting into these like disparate things and then they're kind of like, oh, well, you know, that that's it. But you're like, no, like you can still do this, like, you know, in your twenties and thirties and like, you can still be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm near my thirties. So I'm like, you know, you can do this. And, and, um, and that's the thing like for, for myself too, is like, even like, and that, and that goes through like IRIM too, is like through IRIM and through being a part of this festival. And, and also like I performed in other like bands, like in the past too, um, performing in bands and being a part of the music, the music community. And like now ultimately just being a part of the music industry in general, um, like being a part of hardcore and, and, and that, that scene, like, you know, I, I, I was able to, to, um, walk the line of being in, in, um, in my culture and making that really present for me and speaking my language and, and being able to like, like speaking the Blackfoot language, like, like, you know, walking the line and like being in both worlds. Right. And so I would be, you know, I would be like, okay, like this, you know, I would, I would, I would plan it out and, and then it happened more frequently at an, at an older age, but I plan it up, like, okay, I have this ceremony I have to go to at this time. And then this festival is happening at this time. So I'm going to go to that ceremony and then I'm going to go to this festival because it's happening at, at this specific time and I can make it work. And then there would be times too, where like, you know, my, my, in my culture and my ceremonial obligations, um, I would be like, well, no, I can't go to that festival because I have this to do. I have to go do this. I have to go do that. Like I'm, I, this is important to me because my culture is really important to me. And in, in my mind and, and, and through what I was wanting to achieve through that, it's like to, for other like people from my culture and from the Blackfoot community that are youth growing up that, you know, they can be involved in the hardcore scene, but then also be ceremonialists or I, I, I don't want to say ceremonialists, but just like people or just like learning about the culture and being involved in, in, in our ceremonies and, and practicing our ways, because those ultimately will also guide you as you even navigate the hardcore community too, which is really funny um, because that did a lot for me. Like it helped me understand a lot of like, like the hardcore community was like, for myself and i know it's gonna sound like because i know a lot of people kind of like at one point in time the hardcore community like saved a lot of people's lives because they felt that sense of community and for me like i i it did help me a lot along the way but i also knew that i have a community back home and being blackfoot and being part of that community and for me along the way i realized you know at some points it did help me but at the same time i was like well how can i from my own perspective of being Blackfoot and being from that um, community-based culture and and knowing these ceremonies and these practices, how can I better improve the hardcore scene at being better at being a community? And and that's where I, I realized, okay, well, part of that is also getting these kids involved and then you know helping helping um, improve that. And then at the same time. You know, like that's what Wild Rose Hardcore Festival exists for too. And, and that's what IRM exists for too, is helping better improve the community aspects of that area of the music industry, which is like for that, it's hardcore. And then for IRM, it's across like multiple genres in the music industry. Yeah. Well, I, I really like how you put that where, you know, because the, um, you know, the Blackfoot community and obviously all the, you know, indigenous communities out there in North America, 
that, you know, you're, you're taking something that is hundreds of years old and being able to apply that towards, you know, whatever your punk and hardcore scenes, which are, you know, at the most like 40 years old. (laughs) And so it's like, Hey guys, there's a lot of stuff you can learn from, from this. And so I, I really like that idea of connecting, you know, the historical tissue of what you have learned, um, you know, in, in your cultural life and being able to apply it towards, you know, your music life. I, I think that's such a, such a, you know, beautiful way that, um, you know, communities can learn from each other where it's like, you know, cause that idea, especially, you know, in, uh, the idea of teen angst and pushing against your parents and being like, you know, I'm never going to be like you mom and dad, like that sort of stuff. And you're like, well, th- you know, that can exist, but like, there's also a lot of great stuff that has come from that as well. So let's not forget it. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I feel like, um, you know, and, and really, I, I, I kind of see that that hundred year old practice, even like it's from millennia, right? Like for us as Blackfoot people, like our, our practices are millennia old. And, right. and so like when you go through the, when you go through the history of that, it's like, and, and that's where I like, you know, I, I feel like where I was saying before there, there have been negatives in the past in the harbor scene, things that I've seen where I'm like, whoa, like those people don't realize that they're being racist right now and it doesn't, it's not clicking in their head. So that has to change. So how does that change? And then that came into like, I wasn't trying to like, you know, change the hardcore scene and be like, oh yeah, this hardcore scene is like super racist or anything like that. But there were just like people that I realized that it's it just like some of the stuff will come across like, you know, just racist, but that has to be improved. But that happens in the music industry in general too. Like it's all over like that level of race. And like, everyone knows that, that that level of racism exists. And um, I think at one point too, like in, in the hardcore scene that um, it was because like, and I'm, and I'm sure you, you know, this or may have experienced this too, but like, um, like seeing it, like, you know, the hardcore scene, a lot of the times makes itself seem as if that it is untouched by these bureaucratic and, colonial biases that exist in the world and because it's untouched that there might be the possibility that no racial uh, tensions or racist issues pop up in in that community but unfortunately it, it 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 has in the past i've experienced it in the past i've experienced like things in the past where i'm like i know you don't mean that but i like i do like you know this is not how we should be treating each other in the hardcore scene because one is you know i have a lot of good friends um i have a lot of like you know i have a lot of homies in the scene um and a lot of people that have been you know at the forefront of making the community stronger um and stronger and me too like trying to be wanting to be a part of that making the community stronger um, but again, there have been people in the past where like us and my friends have come across and we're like, that is racist. And we don't know why you're in the hardcore scene for this reason. And so what I'm saying by that is that there are like people that do see it and trying to like solve this issue within the scene. Um, but sometimes, you know, we forget that, like, you know, sometimes that, that overarching idea of like, oh, you know, we like we're a scene in the industry that has that is untouched by any of these stuff, any of these biases or or um, any of these like, you know, these racial issues that exist. And and but unfortunately, they are there. And and so it's like, how do we get through that? Because based off of my friend groups and how we approach things and my friends in the scene, um, we know better. 
and we know that we can change that. And there were like times and moments where that had happened. Um, and it was just like, I, you know, some people could say I was just around the wrong people um, at the wrong time. Um, but also at the same time, it still was there. And so that has to be like addressed and like I, and that, and that, that's, and not, not even in just in hardcore, that's what mm -hmm. I'm trying to address in the music industry in general. That's what I'm trying to like create. And one is I'm trying to do like two things outside of like, you know, outside of work with, with Iron, outside of work on the festival is that I'm really trying to address the issue of what it is means to be indigenous in this scene, that there needs to be better representation for or I guess in the industry, there needs to be better representation for indigenous people. Um, but then also to share my culture in, in extension of the fact that I can, through my own lens and through my own experiences, my lived experiences as a Blackfoot person, uh, can help, again, improve that and help um, bring, bring about better results of how to navigate um, res resolutions to issues that exist there. So with representation, like how do you, like, you know, the question of like, how are we going to represent indigenous people better in, in a festival and in a conference or in this and that in the industry, a person working for a community or working for an organization or anything like that. My whole goal has always been to like talk about like that better representation, but then also at the same time, to talk about my my own personal my own narrative as being Blackfoot, and how because I'm Blackfoot because I come from a very distinct culture, that a lot of people sometimes have struggles because Blackfoot people are so distinct in our culture, and are not generalized across like a lot of cultures in Canada or the U.S. That they have like you know they have issues sometimes with like how we present ourselves and how we we share that distinction of our of our our social life and how we interact um, and and trying to share that level of like um, I guess uh, sharing that part of like being Blackfoot and how beautiful that is in the industry and that um, also that can help again better improve the community aspects of different organizations, different scenes, like the hardcore scene um, and other areas like that too. And, and just, and, and like in a, in, a, in a real way, doing my own work from my perspective and my experiences to help again, better improve those, those ideas and practices of representation and, and how to resolve issues that, that can pop up um, or have happened in the past and are just reoccurring and how to, to change that. And then, yeah, and then just show and have a Blackfoot presence in the middle of that, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. and then pl and plus, what you're doing is obviously being able to give other people touch points and perspectives to realize, like, oh yes, like my point of view or my peer group's point of view, you know, may not be exactly reflective of what other people's point of views are, yeah. <laughs> and it's only yeah. through that uh, learning process and actually interacting with people in a real way. And, you know, hopefully in a casual environment where it's just like you existing alongside of each other, you can learn so much from just that simple act rather than just, you know, like being, uh, you know, being in your own, you know, bifurcated uh, areas where it's just like, Oh yeah, it's like, you know, I got everybody that looks like me is just going to the show and doing this. And it's just like, well, you know, like that's fine to a certain point, but you know, travel outside your bubble a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like honestly, like my own my own journey through the music industry and like what I've been doing as a music executive in the industry is like, I like I'll like I'll admit like I come across other indigenous folks that 
don't agree with my perspective because my perspective is Blackfoot or not even just like the perspective of being Blackfoot or, or my culture, but just because, you know, like as being a Blackfoot person, and this is what I meant about being distinct and my culture being distinct, we have a very distinct way of how we approach certain things, like, you know, uh, um, how we approach, um, just how we approach communicating how we approach interacting uh, in conferences and stuff like that, where if I'm like teamed up with another indigenous person, I might like, you know, um, kind of like, you know, I make, I, I might make them like, feel like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, um, like he come like, I might, he might come across rude or something like that. Or like, he's like very like strict on this, or he's like, he thinks things this way. I'm like, I just base it off of like what I grew up in, in my culture. And, how I practice my beliefs and how it relates to the industry. And, or even sometimes like, you know, um, like I have gotten comments from people too, where like, because I am young and in the industry, I've have gotten comments from like certain people's like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, you're thinking um, different than how um, past indigenous music executives have thought about things in the industry and not that my like you know my thinking is like completely radical or that it's like you know it's changing the game or anything like that but in my approach i've had people like you know older folks and like indigenous folks that are in the industry tell me like oh yeah you don't you don't think the way these other people think that are that have been even doing it longer than me or have been around in the industry for longer than 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 you and and you're approaching this in a different way that you know it's not um it's not uh, um, in, in a way it's like the generalizations that happen across um, or that happen from non-indigenous music industry folks that generalize a lot of indigenous people. Um, I break those barriers. I break those uh, assumptions. And, and because I don't come with that, that same belief or those understandings, like people, like a lot of people is like, Oh yeah, you're thinking differently. And, you're approaching this differently. And sometimes I get negative. Yeah. I get negative comments too. And are like, Oh, he's like, you know, he's, he's this way. He's that way. He shouldn't be this way. And I'm like, yeah, but it's been working for me for 10 plus years in the industry right. now. So, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong and what you're saying I'm doing is wrong. So I don't I have no idea, but yeah, well, it's like, you know, upsetting the apple cart, people are used to status quo. And so it's yeah. just like, well, hey, this is the way, you know, a person should exist within the music industry in this context. And so like, if you, you know, deviate a little bit left of center of that, that's when people are just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, who's this Curtis kid? Like, he's he's annoying. What is he asking for this for? You know, like, we just, <laughs> we just need yeah. one. Yeah, we just yeah. need one Indian kid, you know, yeah. putting our, it's like, we don't need more than one. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that that happens from like, again, that happens from in the indigenous indigenous people that I interact with too, that are non-Blackfoot. Um, right. Like they'll, they'll, they'll like say, oh yeah, they'll have issues with me because of like the way I talk or the way I present myself because of like just how I grew up and how like, I guess in a way it's just like how Blackfoot people are. Like that's just how, that's just how we, we are and in, in, in how we present ourselves and, um, and just the way I talk, you know, and, and sometimes I'll get people like kind of, um, not on the same page with me or just disagreeing with me. And, and it's been happening a lot, which is like really funny, but um, it happens a lot. And then like, and then non-indigenous people. Yeah. It's exactly what you said. Some people will be like, Oh yeah, we only want one Indian kid in here. Or like, they're like all about it. You know, they're fully invested and they're like, we want you to help us with this. We want you to help us with this. We want to just hear your perspective on this. And one organization here in Calgary, well, one is like Wild Rose Hardcore Fest and like, 
like um you know like uh the two the three other people are nathaniel uh cody and jay they will they're you know they're all about that you know that openness and trying like you know how do we how do we approach like being like having better representation obviously because i'm a part of the whole group um but then other organizations in calgary there's like different organizations that have just been like really like you know honoring me and saying they want my opinion and like calgary folk fest here in calgary um sled island festival like you know they've been really like really good in approaching me and even my organization and saying like we want your perspective on this we want to have your opinion on this and it's been really like you know that's honoring and and honoring me as a person as a blackfoot person that they they you know they trust my opinion um, and then again, like, then you have others that, that don't, that are non-Indigenous organizations that just like, yeah. you know, would probably never work with Iron, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, they're, they're like, well, yeah, there's, there's a reason we're not including other people's opinions. You know, we want to keep control this way and we want to do it this way. And you know, that's, that's kind of it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but it is cool that other people are, you know, recognizing that, you know, your input is valuable and not just like on a simple you know, tokenization level. Cause I, I fear, you know, sometimes in, um, you know, our, you know, progressive community, there is, you know, a lot of tokenization that goes along with, um, you know, simply like going through the motions of being like, Oh yes, this is what diversity means. And this Mm -hmm. is what this means. And it's like, like, that's fine. You can obviously give, uh, you know, people seats at tables and, you know, responsibility and power, but, you know, are you actually taking this into action and consideration? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure that is that has that been something that you've had to deal with, uh, I guess, a lot, maybe not externally, but maybe in your head of being like, you know, I, I don't want to just be this like, you know, this token or emblem where mm-hmm. if, if they include me, then, of course, then this organization or music festival or whatever, um, you know, is is legitimate or whatever. Yeah, not with um, the Wild Rose Hardcore Fest or with like Calgary Folk Festival or Sled Island here in Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like I haven't experienced that with them. Um, or another another one is like Breakout West. Um, they're like another conference in Canada that do a lot of cool work. Um, in the past, like I would say um, I haven't faced that issue um in the past like five or six years, where five or six years prior um or like prior to five or six years ago um i i would have definitely have experienced that for sure um and i think i think that a lot of that is because my establishment in the industry like a lot of people know like when they approach me on certain things they're like oh wait, wait, we know we know how curtis is so we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna do this to him and he like he he like does his research he sees things and he's gonna like get on us if something happens um right. but but at the same time, um, before that, you know, like I would, yeah, I would be, you know, I would see things like where I was featured in different articles, um, like music articles, or like different things like for reviews, where like they just wanted my two cents because they just needed that, they needed to meet their quota of having an Indigenous person. Um, but however, I do hear about those experiences with Indigenous musicians that are performing at certain festivals um like i haven't heard that like you know like i i've heard things about like uh like festivals like in the east festivals in certain areas where you know like um they're just trying to meet a quota of having that artist a part of that festival and that's like you know that's really unfortunate that that happens um because that also like that also doesn't create enough room 
for and I and I know this is going to sound kind of, this might sound kind of weird to some people, but it also doesn't leave a lot of room for this for indigenous musicians to look back and reflect on on their own or like look back and and have that room for better creativity because the more and more the industry just wants to meet quotas, the more and more they're going to create this genre and put them into a corner. And if you play this certain music, you're going to be like, you know, that's where the work is. So if you're going to like think this certain way or write music this certain way, you're going to want to like write it a certain way. So you get thrown into that corner and the work comes in. And I remember that hearing stories about that. Um, And I think the industry, when it, when it was doing things like that, I guess the industry in Canada, when it was doing things like that, um, I would just see people like, you know, certain bands and certain artists just like lumped into a corner and, and, you know, um, not saying the creativity level went away or anything like that, but like, I wouldn't hear like, um, certain bands playing on a, on like a festival where I'm like, you know, it really spoke to me because all I was hearing was the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, I don't know if I like, I don't like this because it's just the same thing in that corner of what I was hearing before. I don't yeah. want to hear that. I want to hear something different. Um, and so, and I well, would say that. Ha- yeah. And it ha- I mean, honestly, it had not to interrupt your train of thought, but like it happens where it's like, I mean, you see that <laughs> you saw that within like, you know, the, whatever the Christian music scene and it, where it's like it, you, when bands kind of realize that there is a potential to, you know, fill a, a space um, you know, either for just opportunity or whether it was, you know, financial gain. It's like, okay, let's do this. And like, yeah, we're like the, you know, third rate ripoff of Under Oath or whatever, but like, you know, like, and, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you're, you're very right where it's like certain people will flood to that space, whatever it may mean, just because it, they feel like they, you know, will then have an opportunity that didn't exist prior. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not saying, so I want to kind of rephrase that too, is like, that does happen. I I would say that it hasn't, that doesn't happen as frequently as it used to a few years ago. Now, like I, there are so many musicians that I'm hearing about and I'm speaking towards indigenous musicians, so many indigenous musicians that I'm hearing about where I'm like, holy shit, I have not heard this played like this before. I have not heard music like this before. This is something that I want to support or i want to get behind or i want to just be a part of your team whatever it is because i see this like going far because you're doing something different and so now i would say like you know the stories i've heard in the past about artists experiencing that they're it's changing now where like a lot of the festivals will just bring on like newer artists and music that you've never heard um before playing a festival where like when you go to it, you're just like, wow, you like get blown away. Um, and now like, you know, as that's happening, like the, and, and I guess like that even like might even, um, maybe it's a lack of research on my end too. So that's why I want to kind of take back that creativity statement, but um, maybe it's just a lack of research on my end too, where like, you know, there are artists out there that exist that you just have to do the research as well to like, see them and hear them and i guess that's what i was kind of really trying to say as at the same time is that i i have heard of like bands or artists that are like you know underground where i'm like whoa like this band needs to be playing this festival or this band needs to be playing that festival or this artist needs to be playing here and here but then they don't get that chance and then i don't hear of them again until like you know way later or like you know they, they're perfect for a festival but they just like you know they have those festivals haven't done their research enough to hear what this new music is but now that's started that's changed a lot um and i would say that's changed a lot in like even like the past like 
four years, three or four years that I've been hearing about that a lot more often um, on the festival circuit um, and, and hearing about like, you know, um, where like artists are just like, you know, breaking through these barriers and, and, um, and, and just changing how like we approach indigenous people in the music industry or indigenous musicians that are creating new music. And, and you see that happening today with like, you know, there's artists like, um, there's, uh, Jeremy Dutcher who's in Canada. Um, like his, his recent record is like phenomenal. Um, there's, uh, William Prince who like, he plays like some old classical, like full country stuff, but his, like, it's just like also changing the game of that style. Um, there's, uh, an artist I know very well here in Calgary named Wyatt C. Lewis, who's also like doing a lot of new things in the music industry. Um, in a lot of in his own work and his own writing um there's artists like uh like i don't know you may have heard of this artist but tanya tagok who um you know her music has been really changing a lot of things especially how um how we approach like i guess like punk and indigenous people in punk as well too um yeah and there's just like things like that where i'm like you know, like four or five years ago. Um, well, I, I can't say that for a fact, but actually I don't want to say that for a fact, but four or five years ago, um, I wouldn't see them playing a specific festival, but now I do. And I think that's like the positive gain of this. And I feel like indigenous people are also at a point too, where whether it be in hardcore, whether it be in any other genre, they're starting to like really change how we perceive um, how how that how the non-indigenous community perceives us as musicians and people navigating the like those music communities as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was the um, you know you uh, you studying uh, law in uh, mm-hmm. what university are you attending right now? University of Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I presume that your focus on this, um, you know, man, I know is all leading into, you know, your, your work with, you know, indigenous people and, um, you know, the music industry and all of these different, um, you know, areas of your life that you're kind of all pulling together, you know, cause yeah. I, I'm sure it's like on the surface, if a person looks at like one of the things that you're doing, and then understands that like, oh yeah, I've got all these other things going on, but it's all rooted to the same thing, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. but some people are just like, wait, what is Curtis doing? Like, why, why are he, why is he involved in all these things? It's like, well, I'm just putting my tentacles out to all, you know, kind of root back to the same thing. And so, um, I'm guessing that your degree that you're pursuing is also funneling into, you know, your work with the indigenous community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so. I guess I should have uh, corrected that too. I, I and you've done your research on me, so that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, so the work that I've been doing through the University of Calgary and just as a student, I'm actually in the the MPP program, Master of Public Policy and Juris Doctorate. Um, so I've actually transferred from just a direct uh, direct education into law. Um, so now I'm doing a joint degree in a master's in public policy and then with a jurist, uh, jurist doctor. Um, so with, through that, um, I, a lot of it, so my schooling, um, so I have a history in political science and that's where, you know, moving into law, that's where it all kind of started. Um, and then before that though, I was also, I have an unfinished degree at, at MRU, um, towards business. And, and so like, it, it's really interesting because my, my, um, my academic approach to everything, um, you know, the political science part of it, um, and pursuing that came out of me 
realizing that, you know, the way indigenous people are represented in the law, the way indigenous people are represented in policy making and decision making around policies being formed and placed uh, in Canada specifically um, needs to have, uh, I need to look at this closer and to see it, but then also navigate as I go through the, go through political sciences, like how can I help my own community and how can I approach um, going back home to help my own community as a Blackfoot as a Blackfoot person? But then also at the same time, how I can ha- have my community and our laws and our ways of knowing and our policy making that we've had in the past, so, you know, in the, our past millennia of being a people in our culture, use our practices and policy making and our practices and law to help better improve that area of thinking and academic research and, and, and then putting it to work, working directly, you know, out in the field. And so through that, like, you know, and this is the funny thing, cause you say I do, I'm doing all these things, all of it, everything I've been doing has always been community based towards my own community. And then that being in, in, in reflecting into all of it is that I'm wanting the Blackfoot community to be, known and present in all those spheres of everything that I'm doing. So in music, I want the Blackfoot identity and Blackfoot people and ways of knowing to be known and present there um, through IRIM, through Wildrose Hardcore Festival, but to also just bring the community aspect. And then in, in, in academia, it's the same thing. I want to just make sure that my presence is there and that that Blackfoot way of knowing, Blackfoot way of being and, and living out this lifestyle of being Nisitapi uh, or, or Shiksigaisitapi, uh, being of the Blackfoot people, um, that that is talked about and seen and that, you know, that there's there's an opinion there from someone from the culture. And there's like a, there's many other Blackfoot people that are already doing that too. And I just want to help add to that list of other Blackfoot people doing that work as well. Um, and then at the same time, when full circle, how it relates to music, um, you know, there are politics to music. There are ways of working around in music that you have to be able to navigate. You have to also know the the history of, of, of politics surrounding Indigenous communities in Canada. Um, and, and then the, even the issues that like the, well, mainly what the issues that those politics have caused for the indigenous community. If you're Blackfoot, what it has caused for the Blackfoot community and how we approach treaties and how we're even influenced. And, and really, and if you think about it too, and especially within law, um, and you think about it within uh, policymaking, you think about like also too, if you're a musician, a black, specifically a Blackfoot musician, how you're treated based on Treaty 7 in Alberta, which is what the Blackfoot people are under is Treaty 7 how you're represented there as a musician in Canada in general affects how you can apply for grants, affects how you can receive funding and how, how you're, how you are approached in in the music industry. And that me saying that is really fucked up, but it is, is really messed up. It's really fucked up, but it is the honest truth Um, that that is like, that is real and that that does exist. Um, and so, um, sorry, my, my partner just wrote the paper. So that was the noise in the background. No, no worries. No worries. <laughs> that's okay. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm, that's how it kind of comes around about. Right. And so 
a lot of it is like, you know, people like, and, I, and I've even navigated, I've asked that question too. Like, I do all this stuff. How does it even relate to one or the other? Well, iRoom does relate to Wild Rose Hardcore Fest. But how does everything else I do in academia? I'm also a filmmaker and I'm working on a documentary um, uh, called, and, and we're still working in the process of all of this, but we're working on a documentary uh, based on a lot of the work of uh, Inside Out and um, and uh, their, um, their record, No Spiritual Surrender. Um, and going through all of that and, um, and yeah, so like I'm doing like, you know, all that stuff kind of just relates around my purpose of being a black musician in this community because whether i like it or not even though like again i said this black people have a distinct culture so then that in essence like makes me and by by association and being blackfoot that makes me having a distinct way of living and distinct way of, of knowing things and, and 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 living in this world but also that i am at the same time a political entity at birth that once I'm born, because I'm Blackfoot, I have all these different racist, political, systemic issues that come with me being born into this world. And so a lot of it kind of comes back to like who I am as a person, that I need to know the law, I need to be able to navigate the law, I need to know the, the history of, of um, how politics in Canada and these policies that existed have affected me and my people. And then that also reflecting into how I approach music and the presence of Blackfoot people and a Blackfoot person in music in general is there. And that I'm just, I come with that, that knowledge of knowing that. And it's not that I want to know everything or be in everything. It's just that I want to show that, that when is Blackfoot people are alive, we have a lot of our culture very intact. Um, I'm proud to be in a sit-tapi. I'm proud to be on Scrappy Bikani and Six Saga. I'm proud to come from those nations, but at the same time, like that in general is just why I'm doing all the things I'm doing and why it comes back full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. your mission statement, dude. Sorry. I love yeah. it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for hanging out, Curtis. I really appreciate you uh, walking through me through all your experiences. Cause I, uh, yeah, I just think it's valuable and people need to, you know, reckon with it in a real way and understand that, um, yeah, this is an important part of our community, not only from a music perspective, but, uh, you know, the world at large. So thank you, Curtis. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much to Curtis for coming on the show and reaching out uh, to begin with, because otherwise I, I've heard I heard of the Wild Rose Hardcore Festival in the past, and um, yeah, just was excited to be able to engage with him on that. So thank you very much, Curtis. Next week I have Jamie Mason, who plays in a band called There Were Wires, inactive for many many years, like very um, you know short burst of their their original existence in the early two thousands, but has a whole like you know unbroken Hope Con Isis like a lot of the dark hardcore stuff they got it going on, and they recently just uh, re released a full length of theirs called Somnibalist. I am totally butchering the, the pronunciation of that, but um, just a really interesting band. And uh, Jamie approached the show and wanted to be on it. And I was like, yeah, I actually really liked There Were Wires when uh, they originally existed and wanted to dive in because this was a band that, uh, you know, by all stretch of the imagination was not, uh, you know, successful in regards to like breaking through or being a full-time touring band and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a really interesting conversation. Had to have Jamie on. So that's what we got next week. All right. Until then, please be safe, everybody.